0: Now the video that you just saw displayed how important and how valued the Bible was and is to the underground church in China. Many people did not own a Bible and they walked miles and hours um, to hear the words of God that were spoken and read by pastors, by missionaries and those who are willing to risk their life to promote and present the gospel of Christ to share it, to share the good news, to share the gospel throughout Asia and throughout other parts of the world. And you saw the joy of them receiving the Bible and the joy of them receiving God's words and the joy of of hearing about Jesus, which is the gospel message. They cherished it. They valued it. They waited and stood for hours to... To learn about what's inside the Bible. To be taught from the Bible. Standing room only for hours in temperatures, I think they said, that was upwards of 110, maybe more, degrees. In fact, their life was in jeopardy because there are times when you're caught doing certain things like learning about Jesus in, in certain times. Times of changing a bit now, but still your life can be in jeopardy. So why did they do it? Why did they risk everything For a Bible or just to hear a few messages from this ancient book. Because they realize the Bible is more than just a book. It's God's words to man. Thank you. And when we get this, when we fully understand that the Bible is not just any book. It's not just any book. These are God's words to us to live by. This should motivate us into action, some kind of action, to do something with your life, to accept Him, to deny Him, to question Him. But it's going to cause you to do something. It's going to cause you to act. It's going to cause you to respond. It's going to cause you to accept or reject the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the message all throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is about Jesus. Don't miss that scarlet thread that's all through the Bible. It's about Jesus. Every every book of the Bible points to Jesus. And I don't believe that you can come face to face with Jesus and be unaffected. I don't believe that you can come in front of him and be part of him or really be in a service without making some kind of decision about the king of kings and the lord of lords. And this morning we saw seven people, six people get baptized and six people who took steps of faith, obedient steps of faith because they believed and proclaimed the good news of Christ. They proclaimed it. And we're thankful that they're able we're able to start this new year off with this great uh, testimony of faith. When you see those baptized today, Remember them. Remember them in prayer. Remember them. If you see them say, hey, congratulations. This is a great day. Taking obedient steps of faith. Now we always, we can't always see the inward work of Christ immediately that takes place inside someone's heart. But we can see the outward effects of it and at a minimum, um, the outward proclamation of the inward work of Christ in one's life. And while baptism, water baptism through immersion is symbolic of his death, his burial and his resurrection in which we'll talk a little bit more in a few moments. It's about the testimony that they have that Jesus is still touching people's lives. The king of kings is still transforming people's lives and changing them by the power of God, by his love, his mercy and his grace. This should excite you a little bit more than it is, but I understand it's New Year's Day. But it is an exciting moment. And the church basically has two ordinances that we follow, water baptism and Holy Communion. And by the way, next week we're going to have Holy Communion. Some churches do this every week, some do it um, on the first of, of the month. We do it on the second Sunday of each month. So next Sunday we will have Holy Communion. And we believe, though, in water baptism by immersion, rather than sprinkling, rather than infant baptism. And we believe that you should be at an age where you understand what you are doing. In other words, it's nice for your parents to dedicate you to the Lord when you're a child, and we encourage this as a church, as a family, as friends, to make this place, this church, the temple, a special place where Jesus is preached, where he's taught, where he's spoken about, where he's modeled. But your parents cannot make that decision for you to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. They cannot make that personal decision for you. That's a special decision. That's a personal decision, one that you can only make for yourself. And therefore, accepting Jesus Christ, you have to do this on your own. And there is water baptism is not a prerequisite to salvation. It's usually done after an individual understands what he's doing. And salvation comes when someone understands what they're doing. Salvation is a free choice. Receiving the gift of God. It's a gift from God. And you receive the gift or not, right? You receive it or you deny it. And so this gift of salvation is then followed by water baptism. And so for this reason, we don't believe that infant baptism is proper. To those who were baptized, they know what they were doing. They willingly did this. They made a confession of faith through their words and through their actions to me and to others. And so we applaud them for their willingness to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the call of God on their life. And again, we have two ordinances, water baptism and communion. We also have two, what I believe, commands, which I believe are in the Bible. The great commandment found in Matthew 22, and the great commission found in Matthew 28. We know that the great commandment, and we'll speak about that next week, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And I believe when you get that right, everything else is going to fall into line. So that's what I, how I see it. Um, but in doing this this morning, i like to speak about the Great Commission. Go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And while we call it a commissioning, a baptism, or what a baptism, or commissioning, I see it as a command. Go make disciples. In doing so, i like to focus on three things this morning. What is a disciple? What are our roles as leaders and people of God? And why is water baptism important for us today? And so I simply entitled this message, The Great Commission. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? We'll be looking at Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. Let's pray. Lord, teach us to follow your ways, O Lord. Help us to be obedient disciples of Christ. Bless these words, Father God. Bless what is happening today and throughout the year, Lord God, so that you get all the glory, honor, and praise. Anoint these words again. Anoint those who are listening, Lord God. Let them hear with clarity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Smile and you may be seated. So allow me a moment to just give you a little background here. The great uh, commissioning takes place after his death and resurrection. So you need to imagine this this morning, what's happening here. Go back in time and start imagining what's happening. You're following your, your teacher. For a couple of years now. Maybe two and three years. And now he starts to talk to you. About his death. Um, and about things that are going to happen. In the very close near future. He starts talking about death. He starts talking about burial. He starts talking about his resurrection. Now you might have different plans. For your future. And his death is not part of that plan, for sure. And maybe, at this point, you want to hear a very different story. Maybe you're confused. Maybe you are shocked as to what you just heard. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 18, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus is telling his disciples, so the man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death. And they're going to turn him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, to be flogged. To be crucified. And then on the third day, he's going to be resurrected and come to life. So there you are. Here in this story, you're shocked. You're confused. And this happens now. And your master is gone. They killed your master. They crucified him on a cross. And you are alone. And you're running. And you're hiding for your life. You probably forgot stories because he's told you what's going to happen explicitly you forget the prophecy you go into survival mode you start running you start hiding you start trying to figure out your next steps your future king your master is gone you're running scared and we know from scriptures after he died and buried Three days later, he's res- resurrected, the stone is rolled away, and the body is not found. More confusion. More heartache. Once again, you start wondering what does this all mean to me? Anxiety starts running high. Maybe you're out of control right about now. Then you sent word from a, a woman. Not that that's a problem today. But back then, there was a different order of the way things were. And she says, go meet him in Galilee. Go to the mountains. And you're going to find him. So this is where the story picks up today. The teacher's dead. Now he's alive. And he's waiting on a mountain for them. They're on their edge right now. Some will believe And some will doubt. And they're wondering about their future, and they're wondering about the next step. So now let's take a closer look at verse 16. Then 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountains, where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given me. Therefore, go and make disciples to all nations." You see, when you are confronted with Jesus, decisions follow. To obey, to worship, to arise, to go. Some worship and some doubt it. And this is the way it was. And I believe this is the way it is today. You need to make a choice to follow Jesus or not, to believe or not, to receive or not, to deny this truth. And re- or, or accept his love or reject his love. All authority in heaven and earth has been given me. All power was given to Jesus. He conquered death. He took the sting out of death. No power on earth could keep him down. No authority is greater than his authority. And though Satan tried to kill him, to murder him, Satan tried to keep him down. And while Satan thought he killed Jesus, he thought wrong. He tried to kill Jesus on the cross. He was wrong. He was wrong. He just wounded him. Just for a season. Just for a moment in time. But Christ came and overcame the grave. He's alive. He's resurrected. He's living. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And now he commands us, go. Go make disciples. To all nations. Not just Hamburg. Not just New, New Jersey. Not just United States. To the world. To the nations. You know, we were once the leader in sending people around the world. We don't lead that anymore. In fact, they're sending missionaries to us. Because they see us as a lost country. Now we see here that this is not a request that we could easily turn our backs on. Like... If you think it's not the right timing for you, don't go. Don't do it. Don't follow it. As if that's a choice. Well, you know what? Finish school first. Finish your career first. Whatever your dreams are, go for it. Do that first. Put the Lord on hold. No, this is a command. He's not asking you, hey, if you want to go, go. No, he's saying, go. Do this. It's a command. In fact, I heard it say once this way You're already going, go. You're already doing, do. You're already making disciples, keep going, keep making disciples. Keep doing this. Keep reaching the nations. You see, His disciples already had the mindset, this is what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be going. We're supposed to be active. We're supposed to be making disciples, reaching the nations. So you call yourself a disciple of Christ? Then go and keep going and be busy making disciples. Be busy doing things for the kingdom of God. Of God. So what is a disciple? What is a disciple? A disciple is simply a learner-follower. A learner-follower. Before we become teachers, before we become leaders, in a sense, we need to be learners and followers. So when I think about ministry and the, and the way ministry takes place, I like to look at it from the receiving point of view and then the giving point point of view. When you come to know Jesus, you're receiving His grace. You're receiving His mercy. You're receiving His love. You start studying the Scriptures. You start following His ways. This is the act of learning. This is the act of receiving. This is the part of growing in your faith. At salvation, you immediately are saved. You're immediately transformed by the power of God. You immediately become a new creation, a new creature. You might not feel that way all the time, but inside there's a work being done, and you start to learn His ways. And as you learn, and as you trust, and as you obey, and as you follow, you start learning that there's a time to start giving back. So I often say, if you're a believer, you're a leader. Leadership is about influencing others. So if you're a believer, you're a leader, and therefore... Have a testimony, influence others, and share it. It's how simple the gospel message is. You receive it and you give it. And this is a command go and do this. Make disciples, share your testimony, give back to others, tell your story, how you became saved, how you became set free. Tell your story, like Gina said today, how she was saved, how she was dying, and she's healed now. And her mom told me yesterday that she knocks on the door, I just wanted to see my daughter, my miracle, and closes the door and leaves. Sometimes she stays, but I'm just saying, right? It was a great moment to hear that story, that testimony. It's locked. In my mind. And that's what testimonies do. If you're a believer. You're a leader. Leaders share. You've now been given. The gift of God. Share it. Our walls if you look on the left. And on, on my right. Say love God. Model Christ. Serve people. Make disciples. Making disciples is not a choice. It's a command the way I see it. So many people refuse to promote the gospel, and there's a lot of reasons. Many Christians go their entire life never leading someone to Christ, never sharing their faith. Some would call them a secret agent. At times in my life, I was a secret agent, where I just kept my salvation to myself. But that's wrong. Don't do it. Share your faith. Why is that? It's so important. Another reason why people don't share their faith, they believe it's the pastor's job to do it, or the church's job to do it. So many people say, well, I'll just bring them to church, and they'll get saved. It doesn't work like that. Sometimes it does. But sometimes, very often, it's your testimony It's your relationship. It's your walk. I also want to say that... I don't save anybody. Jesus saves. Holy Spirit convicts. Jesus is the great baptizer. I want you to bring people to church. Don't get me wrong. I want to see this place filled. By God's grace... People will come in. And people will go out. And if this place gets filled... We'll have another service. If it gets filled again, we'll have another service. And we'll just keep doing it until God comes back. And if we have to go and start other campuses, we'll do that. But that's not the goal. The goal is for each one of us to promote the gospel of Christ. We are commanded to make disciples. It's more than bringing someone to church, it's more than someone turning to Jesus Christ as the personal savior. Yes! That's the goal. That is a goal. That is a goal. But that's not the end of the story, that you become saved. The end is to live with Him forever as a disciple of Christ. We are to be disciples, disciples, learners, followers, teachers, leaders of Christ. And then we repeat the process over and over again, each one of us, over and over again. It's not just the pastor's job To promote the gospel. This is for all breathing believers. Amen? Go and make disciples. And if you're not doing that, if you're not making disciples, then you're actually being disobedient. You're actually not following His way. You're not actually following what I believe is His command. So what are our roles as leaders and people of God? As Christians, in other words, you love Jesus. We love Jesus. We're saved. But what next? What are we to do next? Go make disciples. How? The scripture says baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So I'd like to just highlight this one word, and. This is a tra- transitioning phrase here for a moment. So I'd like to focus on the second part of this command or this sentence. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So a disciple is a learner, a follower. A disciple is someone who follows God, a, ch- a, a Christ, a child of the King. That means Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You are saved, you are sanctified, you are set free by His power. He is your Heavenly Father. And you're now following His ways. And now He's telling you, go make disciples. And then He adds this bridging or transitioning phrase and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So how do we teach? We teach through modeling, through words, through life, through setting an example. We have the words of God, the Bible, which is a a great resource, and all the online tools that we have. And we see that the underground church was so excited just to get a Bible. Just to get a Bible. To have their own Bible, the own words of God, so they can study this book whenever they feel like it. Not have to wait for a Sunday. Not have to wait for a teacher or a leader to come by to show them. The Bible is full of truth, full of God's words. And what happens? What happens so often when we don't study these words? We don't teach. We can't teach. You can't teach what you don't know. Let me say that again. You can't teach what you don't know. And so if we don't know something, it makes us fearful. It makes us scared. It creates anxieties in our hearts. You start feeling funny and you start doing nothing because you don't like the feeling to be in front of somebody and not knowing what to do. So you don't do it and you keep quiet. And this is sad and people are dying and being lost because of our silence. Silence. Now, I understand this, but I do think it comes from ignorance and disobedience. Go make disciples. Making disciples and teaching others is a command. It's a lifestyle. It's not a simple request. It's not a simple choice. Do this or don't do this. Go make disciples, teaching them. This is a command. It's not just about the pastor. It's not just about the church. It's for every breathing believer to go make disciples. If you are a disciple, a Christ follower, you're obligated. It's a responsibility to promote the gospel in your actions, in your words, in your deeds. Your life story, the way you live, should be telling the story of Jesus. If people walk by, if people see you, if people see you in the store and living your life. What are the stories that you're telling? Is it a gospel story? Is it a story that you, if it was played back for you in front of others that you will be proud of? Is it a story of lies revealing Christ in a way you rather not reveal? Are they true or are they lies? Are you teaching right or teaching wrong? And when we teach wrong, it's no wonder that the world is filled with people who don't understand Christ. Because so often the story that we tell is not the right story. But we know that when we tell the right story, we still know that some worship and some doubted, And that's just the way it is. Some will accept. Some will reject. And by the way, you are never rejected. It's the Father. It's Christ who is rejected. You're you're a vessel promoting truth. And so in reality, they're rejecting your Father. And so we need to live and act according to the, the words of God. This is truth. Follow these words. Amen? Why is water baptism important for us today? Well, I think obedience is key here again. Scripture says, Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're commanded to do this. And I want to be clear here. Salvation comes before baptism. Some people believe that if you're not baptized, you're not saved. This is not true. Salvation comes before baptism. In fact, if you are If you die before you're baptized, you'll still spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Baptism is not a precursor to salvation. It comes after salvation, and it comes out of obedience. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward work. It's closely tied to salvation. If you decided to be a follower of Jesus Christ back then, or even now, then why wouldn't you follow Why wouldn't you do what he asks you to do? Why would you not follow his command, go make disciples? So if our actions, very often our actions speak louder than words, so if our actions and what we say we believe, if we believe something and then choose not to follow that thing that we say we believe, one can question and say, do you really believe it? Baptism is not really... Baptism comes before... Comes after salvation, I should say. Right? It has really nothing to do with the act of salvation. I guess is what I want to stress here. It has everything to do with obedience. And I think people mess that up very often. It also has nothing to do with membership of a church. Again, it's an outward profession of faith outward. Now we're following the ordinances of the church and again I'll stress there are two communion and water baptism in focusing of water baptism there are several scriptures that I like to read that go along with this Mark sixteen sixteen: he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved and again if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ then follow what he says If you choose not to follow him, maybe you're not a disciple. But the scripture seems to be suggesting that baptism is a precursor to salvation. But it's not. It's just saying, be obedient to this command. The key is obedience. The key is being a disciple. And these two things were so so closely related that if you were saved, you were baptized. Because it's so closely related that when you accept Christ and you're saying, He is my Lord, He is my Savior, then you're going to logically follow Him and follow this proclamation that takes place of obedience. And so it's so closely related and I think that's how that scripture is saying, what that scripture is saying. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Acts 8, verse 12, But when they believed, they were baptized afterwards. And so we see this pattern of scripture. That people heard the gospel. They believed the gospel message in Jesus. And again, I stressed with the candidates that what God are you serving? Because there's so many gods out there. And we were talking about a team. All you want, team Jesus. So you could be a sports player. Right, Daniel? You could be a sports player and be on the other team. So there are a lot of gods out there. And you might say, well, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. He was a great prophet. But you don't believe in the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Son of the living God. You're on a different team. And so when you get on the Jesus team and you follow His ways, baptism follows. And we see this happening in Acts 18, verse 8, with Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard believed and were baptized. Acts chapter 8, verse 36 and 30 to 38. And they traveled along the road. They came to some water. And the eunuch said, Look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. Upon his confession of faith, Philip baptized him. Upon his inward work, we see the outward testimony. The inward work of salvation. And we see that they're baptized through immersion. And if you have not accepted the Lord... Then you accept the Lord. And the next step is baptism. Proclaiming the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Baptism is symbolic of His death, burial, and resurrection. Christ died for our sins, so we die to our sins. We go on the water, and the water is... Symbolic of a grave, going into the watery grave, which is symbolic of his burial. In Colossians 2, chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Have, Having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. So we see that death burial in Christ, it's symbolic. And as far as sin is concerned, the old man, the old flesh, the old nature doesn't exist anymore because we become a new creation. We now identify ourselves with Christ. And when we come out of the water, we are resurrected. We're not saved because we're already saved. It's symbolic. It's symbolic. We remember his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And so we come out of the watery grave resurrected. This is baptism. Now we see that Christ modeled himself for us in Matthew 3 verse 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to determine saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill the righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as, the, as Jesus bat, was baptized, he went out of the water and at that moment heaven was opened up and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and landing on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, who I love, and whom I am well pleased. So in closing this morning, and if the worship team can come up, we see the wonderful relationship, Father and Son. We see the Son is obedient to the Father and is loved deeply by the Father. We see Jesus modeling baptism for us. He loves us so deeply. And our text in our text this morning, this portion of Scripture ends by saying, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Remember, just a few days earlier, Jesus left them. He was beat. He was bruised. He was killed through the crucifixion. Died on a cross. Now we see that He's alive, He's resurrected, and He's reminding them that He will always be with them. Even though He's not going to physically be walking with them anymore, He's still going to send them the Holy Spirit. I am always going to be with you, even to the very ends of the age. And in John chapter 16, verse 7, He says, "For It is for your good that I go away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. And now the disciples are being commissioned. Go, make disciples. In your doing, in your going, making disciples, teach others, show them, model Christ, model the things I taught you. So we in return, do what we have seen, do what we have learned, do what we have read. We're commanded now. Go do the same. Go make disciples, every one of you. Model Christ to others. And when we only see salvations in a church, and we see little or no baptisms, then one might argue that you're only focusing on your church, that you're only focusing on an organization, and you're not focusing on making, uh, making disciples. Our mandate is not to build a bigger church. Our mandate is not to have another program. Our command is not to go and create all these help ministries and run around being busy, doing good things. That's not what we'd be commanded to do. The Word of God says make disciples, all of us. And every one of us have received the same exact mandate. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them. Teaching them. Spending time with them. Relationships with them. Right? Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So today I stress that baptism is an outward expression, a public expression of an inward work that takes place after the saving grace after salvation. It's saying, yes, I am a follower of Jesus. Yes, He's my Lord, He's my Savior. Yes, I will deny myself some things on this earth to be rewarded forever in heaven. All the days of my life. This is not a one time event. Where you just sue it once and you forget. No. Do this for the rest of your life. And in your going, in your teaching, in your making disciples, let your words and your actions align. Let your testimony be clear that you are a follower of Christ. As you go and as you walk, be an example to others. In doing this, in living our life, in expressing ourselves through the gospel. We are revealing truth to people. We are telling a story. And people will say, why are you so happy? Why do you have this joy? Why are you different? What's going on here? And you get the chance to tell other people about the joy that you have in your heart. This is how it works. This is the process of making...